Good morning, and peace be with you. I have some announcements contained within your bulletin, and I'm going to let you read them. And I'm just going to give a little preamble, uh, uh, not quite waxing poetic, but just some thoughts. This last week in our Bible studies, precious moments came up, and in the fast-paced life that we live in, uh, it came to me that, boy, do we really enjoy precious moments? Now, precious moments are little figurines, and I got to tell you, I don't really care for those. <laughs> Sorry if I offended anybody, but boy, they sure sold a lot of them. But that's not what I mean. I mean precious moments. Moments in study, moments with family, moments before the service, visiting. It's like a family reunion here every Sunday. Amen? Precious moments. And the other, I guess I'm uh, uh, more sensitive to this right now um, as Tracy and her sisters are uh, dispensing of the, her parents' affairs. And, and, and that includes many things, but one of them is going through the house and, and, and belongings. And yesterday, um, as we're getting close to getting everything done, and I haven't really participated much, so I'm not taking any credit for that, my dear wife, but her and her sisters have been working very hard. Yesterday, I got a chance to look at an old slide projector called an Argus 50. Have you guys, you remember those? It's in this huge box, and you take the slide, and you slide it in, and it goes like that, but it doesn't do it, and it's just in a line. And they were pictures of my father-in-law in Vietnam in 1965. He was younger than my John, who he's named after. And there's pictures of the airfields at the special forces camps that he would, lie, he would land into. Then there were pictures of his first daughter, Tracy's older sister, Misty, when he came home. There were pictures of Fort Rucker, Alabama. There were pictures of little Tracy, and it was just fun, precious moments. Another precious moment came when Tracy found, and I heard this, oh, wow. And I knew it was something good. She found letters from my father-in-law, written to my mother-in-law while he was overseas. And they were reading, and they're going to come together, and they're going to read them again, precious moments. I pray that the Holy Spirit gives us eyes to see and ears to hear precious moments amongst the fast-paced life, that maybe we take a breath and find preciousness in even <laughs> not-so-precious moments. Amen? Well, that's about all I got to say. There's some really great things happening here at the church. I invite you to come and, and Bible study with us men, men's Bible study on Saturday mornings. Come and um, allow God to make a precious moment for you. Amen? Amen. All right, Tim, let's get started. I 
praise Him still When dark trials come And my heart is filled with the weight of doubt I will praise Him still We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you are called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. 
For the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, and can be found in page 118 in the Pew Bible. Um, in Exodus, we learn of God's people escaping from Egypt with God's help. In this passage, Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with God's laws for living and a faithful life by following the Ten Commandments listed in this reading. Exodus 20, 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing a love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. We'll read Psalm 19 responsibly, which is printed on page six in your bulletin. In this Psalm by David, are the words to celebrate God's creation and the power of his words. 
If we look at our world, we can see God's existence and power. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out from all. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. Our next reading is taken from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 18 through 31, which can be found on page 1,648 in the Pew Bible. This is Paul's letter to Corinth, which comes at a time when the church was divided into many factions. He wanted the troubled church members to, re to unite by believing in the central theme that Jesus Christ is our Savior and the path to eternal life. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where's the wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. 
Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore it is written, let the one who boasts, boast to the Lord. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel, according to St. John from the second chapter, glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is found on page 1648 in your pew Bible. John 2, verses 13 through 25. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords, and he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers, and he overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples Remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. And then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people, 
He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. For we know that nothing good comes from any other source. We, um, we, need, we need to be careful. Why? Well, it's just a good thing to do. But today, we need to be careful because it could appear that Jesus is two different people. In last week's gospel, which was Mark 8, and in verse 33, we heard, we read that Jesus rebuked Peter, and he said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind of things of God, but on things of man. And then at another time, Jesus went on a a rant against the scribes and the Pharisees. And among other things, he called them, he called them children of hell. He called them blind fools. He called them whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. He called them serpents, vipers, and murderers. That's all in Matthew 23. So in today's gospel, we read about Jesus braiding a whip and driving merchants out of the temple. Now in contrast to this Jesus, there is the Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. The Jesus that taught in Matthew 5, 38 through 45, he said this, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn and offer them the other one also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And he said, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That is so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good 
and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Okay. On the other hand, in contrast to that Jesus, today's gospel seems to show us a Chuck Norris kind of Jesus. A Chuck Norris Jesus who comes to cause chaos in the temple. And then on the other hand, on the teachings from the Sermon of the Mount, we seem to be shown a a Mr. Rogers, hey neighbor, kind of Jesus. Won't you call me neighbor? Which one is it? A person could get confused about Jesus, his teachings, and his work if we are not careful, if we're not careful to understand what is happening here. I I can't believe I just did my very bad Fred Rogers impersonation, and I mentioned Chuck Norris in a sermon. But I did. All right, so here's a little background information that'll help us understand the reason why Jesus was so angry that he would weave together a cord and whip. There was a, a special place in the temple. And on the grounds, that place was called the Court of the Gentiles. Now, there were many places in the temple that were off limits to Gentiles. But one area of the temple that was set aside was this court for the Gentiles. And so anyone who loved God, regardless of his origin, they could come to the court of the Gentiles and they could worship God there in that place. At the dedication of the first temple, the first temple, Solomon prayed these words. You can find it in Second Chronicles chapter 6. He writes this, When a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, a Gentile, comes from a far country for the sake of your great name to worship God, And your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when he comes and prays towards this house. Hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you. In order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. And Isaiah wrote these words in Isaiah 56. He wrote this, The foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant, these, it's a promise from the Lord, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house, 
My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The court of the Gentiles was a place where anyone could come and find solitude and peace in the presence of God. Okay, can you get the idea of this court? It's quiet, prayerful, respectful. Now here's the thing. Jesus steps into the court of the Gentiles and it sounded and it smelled more like a livestock sales yard than a place of solitude, of peace, and of reverence. God's holy house seemed to be more like a Costco. A Costco when there's a run on toilet paper and bottled water. It was more like that than a place for prayer and meditation. And there was banking. And there was marketing and merchandising. And they were keeping God's gift with all of this away from people. And one of the many things that we can see and hear from reading the Bible is that our Father in heaven, God, takes action when someone or something prevents his people from receiving his gifts. Jesus, Jesus is God, amen? So we should expect Jesus to take action when his people are not able to receive his gifts. Jesus spoke against the scribes and the Pharisees for giving their people opinions instead of God's gift that he had entrusted to the chiefs, priests, and Pharisees and scribes. Jesus scolded. He scolded Peter because Peter was trying to stop Jesus by giving the greatest gift of all. Jesus took action in the temple because his people were not able to receive God's gifts. Now, when God's people are not able to receive God's gifts, Jesus responds. He takes action against those who block the gifts. And Jesus warned those who would block his gifts with these words in Mark 9. Whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, to commit sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone tied around his neck and be thrown into the sea. So given the serious nature of this warning, perhaps we should examine ourselves on a regular basis. Have we? Have we ever prevented God's people from receiving God's gifts in God's house?
And it is sad to read in today's gospel the reaction of the Jewish authorities. You know, they should have been grateful that Jesus cleared out the merchants and the money changers. They should have never let this situation take root. In fact, the first time that a vendor came in and, and asked for permission to sell his wares in the temple courts, you know, get the permit, they should have said no, but they didn't. Instead, we read that they got angry with Jesus. How sad is that? They, they questioned him, the authorities the brood of vipers, the whitewashed tombs, the liars, the murderers, you know, that he referred to before. Those guys, they questioned God with skin on, and they said, what right? <laughs> what right? And what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus responded with one of those answers, you know, the ones that Nobody understood until after he died and after he rose from the dead. He answered them this, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now John himself tells us that it was only after Jesus rose from the dead that his disciples understood that Jesus meant himself when he said destroy this temple. Jesus was saying this, destroy me and I will rise from the dead in these days, in three days. And with these words, Jesus is saying, I am, I am the Christ. I am God. I am the Son of God. Now Christ's words are more than a, a figure of speech. They really are. Listen to this. He, he is the ultimate temple. After all, we know that the temple is the place where God makes himself known to his people. And Jesus is God in the flesh, God with skin on. And so when Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up, he is doing more than giving a sign to the temple authorities. You see, Jesus cleared out the temple with a whip made of cords. And the words destroy this temple tell us that he used something more precious to cleanse us from sin. What kind of whip did they use on him? It wasn't cords. He allowed the authorities to abuse the temple of his body. They arrested him. They beat him. And then they nailed him to the cross. They did everything that they could to destroy the temple of his body. And in this way, he, he produced the cleansing agent that cleans away all of our sin. It's his precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. 
Jesus also said, in three days I will raise it up. This is the sign of the resurrection. It is in his resurrection from the dead that we have the sure and certain hope that our sins are gone. And as the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts, we know that Jesus has moved into us. And we are now the temples of God. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? And Paul wrote again in uh, verse 17, 1 Corinthians 3, 17, he wrote, God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. And again, there's a theme he writes in 1 Corinthians, this time in chapter 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? The God-man who took action to cleanse the temple made of stone has promised that he will purify his living temples. That's you. And just as he brought his temple back from the dead, so also will he come. In his time, he will come one day to raise all of our temples back to life. And on that day, he will give eternal life in both body and soul to all who believe in him. This is his promise. And which promises does he keep? In the name of Jesus, amen. Bye. 
Please stand if you're able. Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed found on page three of your bulletin. We believe in one God the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. 
And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people in accordance to their needs. O Lord, our jealous God, save the third and fourth generations that will come after us from your punishment by filling us with your son's zeal for your house in these Lenten days, that we may cast out every idol from our hearts and love only you and your commandments. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord, our God, you have brought us out of slavery to sin through Jesus Christ, whom you have made to be our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Bless all those whom you send to preach, those who you send to preach Christ crucified to us, that we may ever know and live in the truth of your power in his cross. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, preserve and bless all Christian households, that husbands and wives would live in love and service to each other, that fathers and mothers would diligently bring up their children in your fear, and that children would honor their parents and be well equipped for service to their neighbors in this life. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord of the perfect law, you have called us to honor our parents and all other authorities, that it might go well with us in our land. Bless our president and all those who watch over and condemn, <laughs> all who watch over and govern us in your stead. Make them wise in your ways, that your justice may be upheld among us, and help us to serve and obey them in accord with your will. Lord, in your mercy, God, whose steadfast love in Christ is good, turn your mercy to all who suffer in our midst that the flood may not sweep over them, nor the pit close its mouth on them. Deliver them from sinking into the mire and deep waters, and grant them healing, comfort, and peace. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord, you bless this day, and you make it holy with your word and the gifts of your altar. Grant us to come before you in humble repentance to eat your son's body and blood, that we may not boast in ourselves in your presence, but in Christ alone. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, 
our rock and redeemer, as three days after the temple of your son's body was destroyed by wicked men, he raised it up again. Grant that on the last day we and all the saints who now rest in your presence may share in the glory of his resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, in all these things and whatever else you know that we need, we ask that you grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace responsibly at a distance. Waves are good, fist bumps. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. You bid your people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast. Renew our zeal in faith and life and bring us to fullness of grace that belongs to the children of God. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim, you proclaim, Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again.
Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This feast, as promised, imparts grace. It rescues us from sin, death, and the devil. And it is for all who confess Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, we have some visitors here today, and so I don't know uh, what your background is, but just so you know, Lutheran theology does not believe that as I was up there that that wine turned to actual blood. Okay, and we don't believe that it actually turned into flesh. Okay, what we believe and we're comfortable saying is that we take Jesus at his word. When he said, this is my body, he didn't say it's kind of like my body. He says, this is my body and this is my blood. And so we understand that to mean that he is in. He is above, below, and on either side of that element. Just as he dwells in you through the Holy Spirit, he is in that, and it does what he promises. And which promises does Jesus keep? All of them. So this is a gift, and this gift has been prepared for you. And you may be seated, and you will be called up. And I have one other bit of, of, uh, of a request. I'm not going to look at anyone, but some of us can get up here easier than others. And it would make your pastor very happy is if you're hurting a little bit today, you're hurting, your hips are all, would you just stay in your seat and then I'll come to you? I do that. That's full service here. And, 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 and please, just wait for me and then I'll come, okay? And, um, well, the ushers will bring you forward.
Well, there it is. Back to precious moments. I believe our Father who art in heaven believes and knows and sees this as a precious moment between you and him. I believe that it was a precious moment for him when his son died on that cross and rose from the dead. It was a precious moment when your eyes were opened and you were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It was a precious moment. Maybe you didn't hear it, but he was saying, look at my daughter, look at my son whom I love. With them, I am well pleased. It's a precious moment for God when he hears his children cry out in prayer. May you have many precious moments this week as you think and meditate about what the Father is to you and to your children and to your children's children. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us. May God keep you in his peace and joy.
Lord of our sinful hearts. He is our great Redeemer. Sing to Jesus. 